Hello, welcome to Hospice Insights, the law and beyond, where we connect you to what matters in the ever-changing world of hospice and palliative care. COVID-19 and hospice, navigating and troubleshooting coronavirus challenges. These are extraordinary times. COVID-19 or the novel coronavirus has disrupted the life of every American and every business. Hospices are no exception. In fact, there are are on the front lines responsible for providing care to the elderly, a population extremely susceptible to COVID-19. The Hush Blackwell Hospice Team is fundamentally a group of problem solvers who are here with you and for you during these trying times, provide support, guidance, ideas, and strategies in the face of this unprecedented issue. For additional guidance on responding to the coronavirus, please visit Hush Blackwell website. Welcome to Hospice Insights, The Law and Beyond. This is Meg Pekarski. I'm here with our, our hospice team, uh, Brian Nowicki, Andrew Brenton, and Aaron Burns to talk about the coronavirus and uh, some thoughts on troubleshooting this. I wanted to, to first start by saying that our, our thoughts are with everyone as you uh, work through these challenges. Uh, we are all here to help you as your hospice team. We are fully operational and while we're all working remotely, we are ready and able to help with whatever you may need. Uh, third, I, this is our first podcast that, that we are doing through remote locations, and I'd like to give a shout out to our fantastic IT and marketing teams here at Hush Blackwell, who has uh, jumped in and given us the, the resources and support we need to uh, continue our podcast during these trying times. A special thank you to Michael Breyer, who has been extremely helpful. So I wanted to uh, start by backing up a bit. And, and Andrew, on Friday, the, the president issued a disaster declaration can you explain to our listeners what does that mean? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, as you said, last Friday, the president issued a declaration that the COVID-19 pandemic constitutes a national emergency. And that's important because with that declaration, now that creates the legal authorization for the Department of Health and Human Services to issue, to issue what are called 1135 waivers. And so accordingly, also on Friday, uh, March 13th, Secretary Azar, uh, Secretary of HHS, he in fact issued the 1135 waiver related to the COVID-19 pandemic, which CMS then followed up with a fact sheet that kind of fleshed out more details about some of these waivers. And maybe I can now kind of talk a little bit about what is an 1135 waiver um, so just very broadly speaking, we will kind of get into some of the, the dynamics of this as it relates to hospice, but very broadly speaking, an 1135 waiver is a temporary waiver or modification of certain Medicare and other uh, federal health care requirements, including certain conditions of participation. Um, importantly, though, this 1135 waiver, it is not a waiver of all conditions of participation. It is not a waiver of 
all healthcare requirements, but rather only those specific conditions of participation, those specific requirements that HHS or CMS specifies in the waiver itself. Um, and as I mentioned, we'll kind of cover a bit more here what was included in the COVID-19-1135 waiver, but I also wanted to um, say that uh, because CMS will, in addition to what they've already issued, they will be reviewing provider-specific requests to operate under the 1135 waiver. At this time, it is critically important to be working with national associations like the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization, or NHPCO, in coordinating some of these waiver requests. And so I think that's incredibly important, uh, and that's why we wanted to start there, which is while there are waivers in effect, that is not something you as the provider make the decision on what what regulations you are or are not going to comply with. The CMS, CMS <clears throat> or the secretary uh, will be issuing waivers. Now, at this juncture on March 18th at uh, around noon central, there have been no hospice-specific waivers that have been issued. So none of the hospice-specific regulations have been relaxed. However, there are some waivers that have been uh, issued and they go retroactive uh, that do intersect with the hospice world. And I wanted to uh, briefly talk about those. So Aaron, uh, why don't we turn to you uh, on the nursing home visitor guidance? Thanks, Meg. Yes. So one of the biggest issues that hospices were facing when the COVID-19 first arose was access to nursing homes. Obviously, the elderly population, uh, which occupies nursing homes, are the most, if not one of the most vulnerable populations. Um, CMS has since issued guidance to nursing homes regarding visitor restrictions, but accepting end-of-life situations, um, clarifying that hospice staff are essential personnel and should be granted access to patients. They can be limited to specific patient rooms and they should be wearing the personal protective equipment or PPE, uh, but hospices should push back on this issue if nursing homes are trying to keep them out. For, for hospitals as, as well is that uh, we need to be able to access our patients. And when CMS said that we are hospice person or we are healthcare professionals as opposed to visitors, I think that is very important in how we communicate with all of our provider partners. Yes. The other uh, waiver issue that relates to hospices is related to the relaxation of Medicare appeal deadlines. There hasn't been a ton of guidance on this, but CMS on Friday said that uh, they're supposed to be, contractors are supposed to be more flexible on deadlines for submitting appeals. It's not clear that this is automatic though. So uh, hospices should make sure to request an extension. And Brian, I think you had a, a, uh, some comments to add to this. Right, and, and I think it's a, there's a, a number of things that we are monitoring to try to find out more detail about this. It's both what is CMS saying, but also what are the contractors that are involved at these different level of appeal saying. So on a daily basis, we're going to Palmetto and C2C and Clarent and Maximus, their websites, to get those kinds of updates because as people involved in these appeals know 
those deadlines are critical because they can trigger a lot of significant issues. So right now we are proceeding by sticking with all the deadlines that are applicable until we hear otherwise. But we think the relief they're talking about is very commonsensical and we hope it applies, but uh, we're not taking any chances until we get a formal word on that. Contractors, too, we did call uh, and spoke to CMS and asked them about their own contractors timing on appeals and whether they're working as, as normal. And it does seem to be the case that they are on time, that they're there to do their work. And so hospices, if you're expecting a decision back, uh, as far as we know today, you should be expecting that decision within the 60 day time period. And I think this is very fast moving and fluid as we all know in dealing with this. So while I think that is the case now, um, I expect that there could be, you know, in the very near future delays in that. And Brian, I know you have a mediation <clears throat> uh, scheduled for Friday on a large extrapolation matter. We know at least today that that is moving forward. Yes, it is. We called this is another agency. It's the Office of Medicare Hearings and Appeals. We have a telephonic mediation session set for Friday. We called yesterday to confirm or emailed yesterday to confirm and they did confirm that is moving forward. So parts of the government are working on time without delay. Uh, I think this, this waiver issue means that they're aware that these deadlines may need to be relaxed. But again, until that is done, we're, we're sticking with all the deadlines until we get confirmation that they've been relaxed. And I think that a takeaway here is, you know, checking mail is always incredibly important. Checking the electronic system to see if demand letters have been issued. Until we get a relaxation of that, it just remains a, an important task for your, your staff to continue checking the mail and writing important mail related to uh, appeal matters and other medical review to leadership so that can be addressed. I do think that extensions on medical record requests uh, will be granted and um, because there's more flexibility when you're responding to a record request for example, a UPIC or uh, a Medicare, Medicaid type of audit. So um, now I wanted to, in the theme of what are some other waivers that have been issued that are not specific to hospice conditions of participation, but nonetheless uh, may intersect with hospice, uh, telemedicine, Andrew, why don't you just briefly touch on that? I mean, it's a whole podcast in and of itself, but but why don't you touch on that? Absolutely. So, um, in fact, yesterday, CMS announced that starting on March 6th, so a retroactive start date, Medicare um, is going to be allowing essentially more latitude for payment of Medicare Part B professional services that are provided via telehealth, um, telehealth technologies. So specifically, and, and again, to keep it brief to your point, um, Medicare has lifted certain payment restrictions that were based on the geographical and also the care setting location of the patient. However, given the relatively limited amount of services that hospices bill to Medicare Part B, uh, we don't expect this, this uh, new flexibility to impact hospices as much as it will impact some other provider types. But of course, we will continue to monitor this. And then the last one, 
is the survey activity and how surveys are, are going to be operating uh, during this pandemic? Yes, so um, this is also recent as is everything that we're talking about, but CMS has come out um, and they've said that uh, state survey activity for all CMS certified facilities, which would include hospices, that activity is going to be limited to infection prevention and control, obviously addressing um, COVID-19 issues and it also limited to allegations of abuse. So it's gonna be a much more limited scope of survey activity as a result of this COVID-19 related announcement from CMS. Great. Um, and Aaron and Andrew, I wanted to turn to uh, the specific waivers that the hospice industry has requested because they are far reaching, I think incredibly important to advocacy that is happening at the national level. Why don't we highlight some of those that are being requested? Obviously, NHPCO has a very robust COVID-19 website where there's more detailed information on what has been requested. But for purposes of our listeners here, why don't we, we touch on some of the highlights that we think are important? Yeah, so NHPCO has done quite a bit of advocacy so far. They sent out multiple letters, both to the president and the vice president, as well as uh, Congress as of yesterday. The letter to Congress yesterday does include other large national hospice stakeholders, like the uh, Leading Age or the National Partnership for Hospice Innovation. Some of the major requests that they included was related to the sequester and about funding for hospices. So the sequester specifically asking to remove the 2% for fiscal year 2020 until the end of the emergency or um, end of the fiscal year. So December 31st of 2020, whichever comes first to help offset economic losses. Same uh, with additional funding for staffing, including overtime and contract workers and funding for goals of care and conversations and treatment options. So I think they're uh, concerned, a lot of hospices are concerned about their having nurses available, if their staff gets sick, how are they going to be able to care for their patients? So looking for additional funding that way. Um, the fourth, uh, that they that the letter to Congress asked for was the PPE increased funding so the providers are able to get access to personal protective equipment. My understanding is that there is a shortage of this nationwide. Um, so obviously hospices working with the elderly, it's important for them to have access to this equipment. The other issues that the letter to Congress identified relate to kind of more day-to-day -day activities of hospices, uh, including pausing audit activity. So obviously hospices are inundated with audits as of late, uh, kind of trying to reduce the burden on them to deal with audits while also trying to deal with coronavirus. Uh, they're also looking at some core services waivers, notice of election and notice of termination or revocation, uh, easing up on the requirements for those and the timeline to get those completed, as well as face-to-face -face requirements, having to do those in person, um, as Andrew mentioned, kind of utilizing telehealth for more hospice uh, services. And so this gets back to uh, the waiver and the secretary does have fairly broad authority to waive 
certain conditions of participation. So I think also on that list is initial assessment and comprehensive assessment and a lot of the core uh, conditions of participation they're asking for a relaxation of so that the secretary has authority to do that. However, that needs to be issued. And so, um, you know, I think everyone is working very, very hard and trying to get relief for hospices, but know that this is just what is being asked for. In this uh, moment in time, nothing has been issued and obviously stay tuned, but um, right now there still is no specific relief on conditions of participation for, for hospices, but um, I'm very hopeful that will be forthcoming and then retroactive as well. So uh, that is the lay of the land. I wanted to uh, share a few thoughts about what are some current considerations, what to do now. And obviously there is so much uh, to do, but from, from our vantage point, some things to be mindful of. I think it is incredibly important to review care plans and adjust them as needed and as appropriate based on the patient needs. So uh, care plans are, are critical to ensuring that we're meeting the needs of our patients. Adjustments may be needed to deal with this crisis for any number of reasons, um, but it, we still need to be able to ensure that we're meeting patient needs. And so, uh, for example, perhaps that we're doing more phone contact with patients. Again, it doesn't replace in-person in visits, but similar to turn down services that a lot of hospices utilize uh, when a new patient is coming on service or other times of uncertainty, perhaps we're doing more phone check-in with our, our patients and families to, to see how they're doing. But important to, to make sure we're, we're adjusting the care plan as needed, but it, it is both uh, based on, you know, hospice, but at, at its core, it's got to be based on what the patient needs. Really critical, the second thing is documentation. And I think documenting everything you're doing, your efforts to visit patients, uh, I am hopeful that the, it is going to die back some, the pushback we're getting from other provider partners of being able to visit our patients. But if you are in those situations where you're getting pushback, I think it's incredibly important to document your attempts. If patients are refusing visits, document that as you would per normal. I think now, even though documentation may seem secondary, I think incredibly important uh, that we are documenting everything that we're trying to do, including phone calls, even though phone calls aren't specifically uh, cataloged always on the claim form for non-social workers. I think it's incredibly important if we are making phone calls, any uh, staff members from our office with patients and families, we want to be documenting that because at the end of the day, we want to be able to demonstrate to the government and others that we are meeting the needs of our patients. The third thing I would say is we need to push back if we're continuing to um, 
other third parties are raising concerns that we cannot visit our patients. We are essential hospice personnel. The, these are end of life situations. Our patients are terminally ill and we need to be permitted to see and care for our patients. I think now more than other, you know, now more than ever, an IDT model of care where we're dealing with uh, sort of the emotional well being of our patients families uh, and caregivers, our, our mindset and skills really uh, uh, can help supplement what other healthcare providers are doing. And so I think we should be seen as we always want to be seen as a partner and someone who is helping uh, the patient uh, during times of need. And I think chaplain, social worker, those services, which may not be the focus of acute care right now, are, I think, still incredibly important to, to ease the, the anxiety of patients and families during this time. Third is, I think it's important uh, to be helpful and hospice is part of a larger healthcare community, but we need to make sure that we're also meeting the needs of our patients. Uh, and so as we're offering to help uh, the larger healthcare community, we also need to be making sure that we are meeting the needs of our patients. And while we may need to provide services in different ways, we really need to first and foremost, make sure that we're meeting our care plans and meeting the needs of our patients. Uh, and so uh, it's, you know, similar to what they say on airplanes, you got to first take care of yourself and then take care of others. And so we have a lot of folks that are depending on us, both employees uh, and patients, and we need to um, take care of those responsibilities. Lastly, there are a lot of labor and employment issues that are coming up. And Hush Blackwell has done a tremendous job in, in staying abreast of those and putting out some very helpful resources that are going to be uh, linked to uh, this podcast episode and is being updated regularly. And so it is very helpful. It is structured around um, a sort of FAQ, very operational focused. I think in, in these times, what people need is quick, helpful tips, how to operationalize challenges. And I think that these documents that, that Hush is preparing do just that. So I think they can be a really helpful resource. Um, and so I guess before we move on to closing thoughts, anyone else have considerations they wanted to share? I think, um, um, the the last and closing thoughts I would have is I think that it is incredibly important, you know, as a as a country, but as a as a healthcare community and hospice community that we work with our state and national associations. They are our advocates um, and can get us relief. I think we need to keep them informed about what are our challenges so they can make appropriate asks and advocate for those. And so I think ongoing communication with your state and national associations are, are critically important. Uh, as we indicated earlier, NHPCO has a COVID page that is regularly updated. I know you can sign up for alerts. 
again, why, why I, I call that out in particular is it is focused on our industry in particular. And so it is everything that is posted there is through the lens of hospice, which I think there's a lot of information out there. And every provider group has a different uh, perspective and different issues. And so uh, I think that is uh, an incredibly helpful resource. Third is Hush Blackwell has a whole COVID team. They have a COVID email address. We have a COVID uh, webpage that has all of our thought leadership on this. Uh, but, but more importantly, before just going to a website, we are here. We are your hospice team. We want to be of service. We are problem solvers. Um, we are here to help. And so let us know how we can help you because we truly want to to help see you through this challenging time. So, uh, and then I guess final note is, I think the work that hospices do is incredibly important. Obviously it is um, a passion of mine personally. I think our skills are essential and we play a critical role in our healthcare communities and continuing that service is incredibly important and uh, including the advocacy to get relief so we can continue to meet the needs of our patients but have it be reflective of the, the challenges we face. So uh, there I'm sure we'll be more podcasts on this, but we wanted to get out some initial thoughts. Please check out the Hush Blackwell webpage that's going to have up-to-date information. And uh, again, our, our thoughts are with you and your staff uh, and loved ones as, as we work our way through this, this unprecedented time. Well, that is it for today's episode of Hospice Insights, The Long Beyond. Thank you for joining the conversation. To subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at hushblackwell.com or sign up wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, may the wind be at your back.